Well, I want, you to, I want you to turn your Bibles to, to John chapter 1, and um, real quick, for those of you that were here last week, uh, let me just say this, um, I got my Christmas lights up. I should have come in like on crutches or something, just so I got the point, just so I got the point across, but... All's well that ends well. So for those of you that weren't here last week, we, we looked at the fact that, that the light has come. And we're looking at John's telling of the Christmas story. And in John chapter 1, it's a totally different telling of the story. And you, you don't see any uh, stables or mangers or... or uh, shepherds or uh, the, the wise men, they, they don't show up in this account, but nevertheless, this is a very significant telling of the Christmas story. And, and so I want us to go back to John chapter one. We, we looked at the fact that, that you know, last, last week that the light has come and we're going to, and John's going to continue this theme as we pick up our reading in just a minute here uh, in verse nine. But, but you know, when it comes to the, the telling of, of the Christmas story, there are, there are bad guys, right, that, that show up in the, in the telling of the Christmas story. Like, like for instance, an, an immediate name, if, if, you, if you've read through Matthew, an immediate name that comes to mind is, is that of King Herod. I mean, this guy was a legit bad guy. Jesus is born, that he hears that, he hears that uh, a, a king has come, a king has been born. So what does he do to consolidate power? He goes out and, and kills all of the boys that are two or younger, and Matthew says that there was a great wailing and weeping. I mean, you don't see that in like a kid's program. I mean, that's like, a, like nobody shows that part, but that was very much a part of the Christmas story. He's a bad guy. Now, there are lesser known bad guys. For instance, there's, uh, <laughs> I actually think everybody has their songs that they like or don't like. Like, I don't know, the Christmas song I just don't like is Little Drummer Boy. I just, and I know it's like, no, for King and Country, they're made, I agree, that's great, but I still don't like the song. And I play drums, and I just don't like, you know, I, my favorite meme out these days, I saw it on Facebook this week, uh, it says that Mary, exhausted, having just gotten Jesus to sleep, is approached by a young man who thinks to himself, what this girl needs is a drum solo. I'm just telling you. <laughs> It makes absolutely no sense. And so like, like that's, the, you know, that's not a good guy. But, but, the, but the guy that gets maligned, he literally shows up in every kid's Christmas program. I shouldn't say every, a lot of kids' Christmas programs is the innkeeper, right? The ultimate villain of Christmas. There's no room. Well, here's the deal. There, there's a whole story. There's a backstory to, to Luke chapter two, but you don't see an innkeeper mentioned in scripture because they were probably showing up at a house. I'm not gonna get into the whole thing and ruin a Christmas program, but here's the deal. I'm just saying that, that the innkeeper has been maligned because he said, there is no room in the end. So he's the bad guy of Christmas. What I, what I wanna do this morning is I want us to look at John's telling of the Christmas story. And, and, and so a version of the innkeeper is gonna show up. We're going to see this show up in John chapter 1. Someone who literally said, go away. The turning away of the gift. And so we pick up our reading here in verse 9. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. 
He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. And I want you to keep your Bibles open because we're going to come back. Uh, we're going to keep on reading through the next few verses. But I just want to pause here because there's something I, I want to I say. Because, you know, I mean, this poor innkeeper been maligned all of these years. But what John is saying is that, in essence, the gift of Christmas showed up. And yet, yet, ordinary everyday people like you and me did not receive the gift. Now, you know, when you, when you think about this, like, okay, what's going on here? Because this is huge. There, there are two words that, that show up here that, you know, I, I just was thinking about this week. First of all, the world did not know him. The world, the world just didn't know him, what, what wasn't aware. Now, this word know, it shows up in Scripture a lot, and nobody uses the word know, uh, K-N-O-W, in the New Testament more than John. In fact, if you read through the letter of 1 John that he writes, he actually expands on a lot of the themes that we find in the Gospel of John that we're reading from here. He uses that word in the five chapters, like something like 46 times. He either uses the word directly or indirectly 46 times. It's, it's the whole theme of everything. In fact, um, here, in a couple, here in a few weeks, we're going to get to John 20, 31, and he's going to use the word know in, 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 as part of the mission why he wrote this. But you know, there's a difference between knowing about and actually knowing. And we, we all get this. Like, I mean, I, w I went to Google this morning because, I mean, if it's on the internet, it's true. And uh, I typed in the question, who is the most famous person in the world? And it was interesting because, you know, you, you get back a lot of interesting responses. I mean, uh, like, like one, one, one of them, they did the ranking, I think it was a bunch of top tens. Uh, Donald Trump uh, was on one. Another one was uh, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, which is crazy, man. Like when I was a kid, he was wrestling and now he's like the most famous person in the world. But anyway, so like he's the most famous actor of all time. Um, Ronaldo, the, uh, Cristiano Rivaldo, the great soccer player, he was, uh, he, he topped several, several lists. But, but you know, it's interesting because, for instance, I'll, I'll use Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. I mean, we know who he is probably or, or some, some of you are like, I have no idea. It's okay. The, uh, but like, you, you're like, I, I know of him, but, but you don't know him, right? And, and so when John uses the word the, know, the world did not know him, he's not, he's not talking about like they know of, he, he's talking about this re, there's a relation, there's a relational aspect to this. Like just, uh, I, I had lunch with a person, they asked me, they said, do you know? And they mentioned a name, and I know what they meant. They meant, do you, have you met them? Do you, do you know them, okay? So, so we get this, the world didn't even know the gift had showed up. Like, the gift is, is sitting there under the tree, and it's like the world just goes right on by. They totally missed the fact that the gift was for them. They, they did not know that the gift had come. But then John takes it to a whole new, new level where he says, more than that, it's not just the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Now, I, I want to pause, and I want to I think about this and talk about this for a little bit today. And so, so you just got to know, my, my purpose here today is, is to make sure that we understand the difference, uh, the, the difference between uh, actually uh, receiving 
And, and then settling for different substitutes for receiving. Because what I, what I know is that, that, man, just like Jesus showed up to people who had been praying about the Messiah, have been anticipating the Messiah. In fact, if you were a young Jewish kid, literally from the time you were a child, you were told your feasts, your celebrations, all weren't just looking back to the, what they considered the first Messiah, Moses. They're looking forward to the coming of the new Messiah. He's gonna make everything right. And yeah, here's the crazy thing. I, it's hard to wrap your mind around this. They were praying for this. And when the gift showed up, he came to his own and his own did not receive him. How is that even possible? But before we judge the Jews too harshly, can we just for the next few minutes take a look in contemporary culture, look at ourselves, even within the church? I'm not preaching to the world this morning, the world that does not know him. Now, we as Christians, we're called to be ambassadors, 2 Corinthians 5, that's what, that's what we're called. We're called to go to the world, go into all the world, preach the gospel, that's our, that's our commission. Today, though, I'm not talking to the world. I'm not going to downtown Nampa, standing on a corner. Today, I'm talking to those who, if we could say this, we've showed up because we consider us, ourselves his own, but let's, talk to, let's, let's think about this. Could potentially Jesus be coming to his own and his own missing who they talk about, sing about, pray about, all of that? Could we somehow be missing the gift? I'm going to come back to the gift here in just a second, but I want to, I want to break this down because one of my favorite words, I came across this several years ago when I was preaching through John. One of my favorite Greek words is the word for receive. And so I'm not going like to break down a whole big Greek expose on, uh, exposition for you, but, but I, I just like saying the word. It's a Greek word called paralambano. It's just fun to say. And it almost sounds like an exercise you do at the gym. Yeah, I've been getting into paralambano. But, it, but it's not that. It's, it's, it's actually a, a really unique word that translated... Listen, we, we, you lose things in translation, and it's not that it's translated incorrectly or anything like that, but, but there's a depth of meaning in, in receive that, that we sometimes miss because we don't understand the depth of this. What it literally means, paralambano, is to receive into oneself. That's what this word, paralambano, means to receive into oneself. In fact, the closest yeah, I was trying to think, man, what would be a close analogy? I think one of the close analogies was when Lori and I uh, got married and, and we're standing and the, the pastor who's officiating said, Keith, do you take this woman to be your lawfully wedded wife to have and to hold? You know, that's, that sort of thing. It's that, it's that idea of receiving into oneself to embrace, to delight in uh, I don't know, I don't want to spend too much time, but you, you, get, you get the point. So when, he, when he's saying that he came to his own and his own did not receive him, it's not necessarily saying that they weren't around him, that, that it wasn't said that he was Messiah or anything like that. It was that they didn't take him into oneself. That's, that's, that's what we're saying here. And the question is, man, why? Why, why? I, I want us to, to consider this because I think there's some reasons why we might not receive, we might not paralambano receive Christ into, one's, into ourselves. First thing, if you're taking notes, write these down. I think we can settle for substitutes. 
And the first substitute is, is this. We can substitute, instead of receiving the gift, we can substitute at merely seeing the gift. Seeing the gift. You know, all of my, all my kids love Christmas. We're, we're kind of Christmas freaks around our house. But, but like my son Cole, like he takes it to a, another level. And, and, and so, so let me explain. Like in October, I think it was late October, he presented me with his Christmas list. And so it was on a Saturday night, I'm getting ready to go to bed, and he comes in, and he's like, hey, hey, Dad, here's my Christmas list. And um, he said, by the way, um, I wrote on both sides. <laughs> but it wasn't that they were different. No, actually, he's very organized the way he thinks. He said, actually, on, on the, the front side, I've ranked everything in, in order of price from highest to lowest. And he said, when you flip it over, he said, I've prioritized everything from what I would like most from highest level. So, I mean, he, listen, he has a plan. He has a plan. And so, so, so here's the thing, man. He's, he's just always, he, he, he's, he, he's thinking, man. He's, 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 got, he's got a plan. Well, when he was a kid, he was, I mean, he was just obsessed with Christmas presents and, and even the fairness of Christmas, right? I mean, like, you got to be fair. You got to, and everybody, and like, he has, like, some rating system that we don't all know, but he has a rating system on what is fair. Like, like for instance, um, you know, this might, that's worth one, but, like, if it's a larger present, that's worth two. And so, like, he's like, Coming, Traga. Okay, anyway, so he has his, his whole thing. Well, we had told him, because he, he, he would kind of poke around and he would dig under the tree and touch all the presents. We're like, Cole, this is several years ago, like five, six years ago. Cole, you cannot, you can't get into the presents. Don't touch them, don't shake them, don't anything. So I come down one morning and he, and like during Christmas season, he was always the first one to get up and he had plugged in the Christmas lights, just the Christmas lights. And I came down the stairs and he's, he's sitting cross-legged in front, like as close to the presence as he can get. And he just <laughs> staring, staring at them. And, and the man, he, I, I, I could just tell he wanted, he wanted to be in the middle of it, but he, he was, he was following, you know, following the rules and all that. But, but here's what, here's what Cole would, he'd be able to tell you this. He'd be able to tell you this. Seeing a present is not the same thing as receiving a present. <laughs> and yet I wonder how many times even as the gift has come to his own, We've actually settled for merely seeing the gift. I wonder if there are those that have settled for seeing Jesus, being around the gift, getting close to the gift. You know, going, ha- having the Bible studies, being around the, the, the people in whom Christ dwells, you know, being around. But, but listen to me, seeing the gift is not the same thing as receiving the gift. But you see, enough, another substitute that I think maybe can, can be part of us not receiving is what John's talking about here is, is where we, we settle for the substitute of actually handling the gift. And so let me come back to the whole shaking the present. I won't see who I'm talking to. Moment of truth. How many of you, as a kid, as a teenager, or as an adult, 
have shaken a present to see what's inside. Let me see your hand. Oh, look, I knew you were my people. Yes. Listen, man, I can't tell you how many times I've done that. And you know, like, like, for instance, you know, when you're a kid, like, Legos make a distinctive sound. Like, you, you shake, you know it's Legos, right? You don't know what it is, but you know. So, 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 you know, let me use this whole idea. You can have this, you can shake this, and, and, and you can still miss. One of the most sobering passages of scriptures in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 through 6, where it talks about a group of people who are in the church who have tasted, who have seen, who have been enlightened, and yet, yet, they've, they've turned away. And, and, and it says that, that even these people who have been around the things of God, they've seen the Spirit move, they have tasted even of these things, they have missed it. And it says, man, it's just, it's a sober thing. Indeed, they are crucifying Christ again is what he says. How is that even possible? I, I think it's possible when we settle for handling the gift, touching the gift. But handling the gift is not the same thing as receiving the gift. It's possible to be in church leadership, teach Bible studies, have all kinds of knowledge and still miss out on paralambano, receiving into oneself. But, but I've got, I, I, let me just really quickly hit this because I want to make sure that we're, we're understanding this. I think another substitute that perhaps we've made is actually just opening the present. Opening the, did you know that it's possible to open a present without receiving the present? Now, I do this every year. I shouldn't say every year, like every few years, because I always like to throw it in just because it's a fun thing. Like on Facebook, I'll throw something out. I'm like, what's the most useless, weird present that you've ever received? And I did it again, and, and I, got, I got some good ones, so Marsha. Um, go ahead and throw this, this one up. Go, go and throw this picture up, um, guys. This is, this might, this might, do we have the picture? Yeah, that is a rubber chicken purse. That is a rubber chicken purse. Now listen, listen, like if you're here and you are a weird chicken lady, you're like, I want that, and I will point you to the right person where you can have that. I, but I'm just saying, that has to be one of the most unique interesting Christmas presents of all time. Now, that, as, as crazy as that is, I, I, had, an, I had another person, uh, another person told, me that, uh, told me that they received a used bar of soap. <laughs> Hair included. I, and that is just the worst. The wor and I did not make that up either. Uh, that is, I did not make that up. That was a private message, but that is true. Now, here's, here's the crazy thing, man. I'm there are some crazy things. I've got, I've got some weird presents across the year. One of my favorite was somebody gave me a Christmas card that had been given to somebody else. They literally scratched out the other person's name, put my name at the top, left the personal message to them. Like, oh, that, that works for Keith too. Like, Merry Christmas. Man, my heart was warmed, man. That was amazing. But I think, listen, man, I think this takes a cake because a guy just after the first service, this is the worst. I, he, I said, you take the cake. He said that he had just, they had just got married and at their first Christmas, 
this was like uh, in, in November, early December, his wife had told him, I'm going on a diet, I want to lose some weight. So, he goes and buys her one of those suits that make you sweat, that's like the foil type suit that'll make you, that you can wear all the time and lose weight. He's like, she said she wanted to do it. I'm like, I'm going to help her out. He said when, he, he, he was convinced that he had bought the greatest gift of all time. She opened the gift and cried. At first he thought she was moved at the thoughtfulness of the gift. But she wasn't. My, my point, my point is this. Listen, we can open a gift and, and either not like the gift we can open a gift. We can actually miss the usefulness of the gift. And here's what we're doing. We're going to, in some way, reject the gift. How do we reject the gift? Well, I just, uh, this week, I saw a poll is from this year. Uh, they're anticipating 61% of Americans will return at least one gift they get for Christmas. You'll either return it, refuse it, or like the person with the card, re-gift it to some other sucker. That's exactly why it's gonna take place. But my point that I'm making here is that even opening the gift is not the same thing as actually receiving the gift. When the gift showed up, it says that he came to his own, his own did not receive him. It's interesting, the reason I, I'm, I'm convinced, one of the reasons they did not receive him is because the gift didn't look like what they thought the gift was gonna look like. They, they had been praying anticipating, they thought that when the gift showed up, it was gonna be like Moses who led the children of Israel out of slavery. They, they saw it only in human terms. They thought that when the gift showed up, for instance, he came to his own at a particular time, a particular place, a particular season of history when the Jews were in a particular position, they're under the, the, they're under the, the, the yoke of Roman rule. They wanted that yoke broken. They were convinced that when the Messiah was going to show up, he was going to show up and he was going to deliver them from slavery again, slavery to the Roman government. They thought that, that he was going to give them political power. He was going to give them a name. He was going to give them material blessing. And, 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 and so even when Jesus came, he didn't fit, but, but, but they actually wondered when he came into Jerusalem the week before he was crucified, you know, on Palm Sunday, and, and they're, saying, they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna to the king. And they're like, maybe it's time. He's riding in on a colt. Man, maybe this is when the revolt's gonna happen. But in five days when he's hanging on a cross, they're like, no, it's not, that's not him. In fact, the same people that, that cried out, I shouldn't say the same people, we don't know who they were, but, but the Jews went from some yelling Hosanna to a few days later yelling crucify him. You see, when, when the gift showed up, it, it didn't look like, it didn't look like what they thought it was gonna look like. And, and I wonder if even today that, that there are some of us, we have these doubts inside and we, we, it freaks us out that we have the doubts, but we wonder to ourselves, what good is a savior who doesn't heal my spouse of cancer? What kind of savior doesn't come through when I pray for that? If he really is a good, say, why? What kind of savior wouldn't help break the chains of addiction that I see in my kids and my grandkids. I'm praying for them, but I'm not seeing any change. And man, it breaks my heart. How? What, what kind of savior is this? What kind of savior would let me go through this? We, we don't even like the doubts. 
But they, they come, I wonder if there are times though we've settled for a definition of, of Savior that is less than who he came to be. Who he came to be. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. Seeing the gift, handling the gift, opening the gift is not the same thing as receiving the gift. They're only substitutes. The gift is received only when I take it into myself. Paralamano. But I love that John keeps writing. He doesn't stop with these first verses that I've read here. He goes on to say this in verse 12. Because there were people who did receive him. Look at verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name. I want you to catch this. Man, I love this. He gave the right to become the children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And I love verse 14. We're going to break this down more next week. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So what John does, he's telling the Christmas story. He said, you know, the world did not know about the gift. They walked right on by the gift and missed it. There, there were his own people that refused the gift. And yet he introduces us to another group of people who actually receive the gift. And what I want to do in the, the few minutes that we have left is I, I want us to ask this question. What does it mean to truly receive the gift, especially as we're talking about Christ? How, what, what does this mean? What, you know, what does it mean to receive Christ? How do I receive Christ? And my answer to this is, is, is my big point, so I want you to write this down. This is really the, the main point because this is what I want us to walk away with. The gift is received. This comes right from what John told us. The gift is received by believing on his name. Now, I want to make sure that we understand what this means. Because, again, when it comes to believing, it's having an awareness of, and, and so because I have an awareness of, I believe that existed. But, but when we talk about believing on the name of Christ as being what it means to receive Christ, it's not um, believing that he existed. It's not, it's not even believing that he did great things. It's not even believing that he was the son of God. That is not what he's, he's talking about. No, Remember, John is writing to a specific people in a specific time period. There's a reason why John's communicating the way that he is here. And, and what you've got to know is that to, in, in a Jewish culture, a person's name carried great meaning. You were given a name and expected to grow into your name. Whatever the meaning of your name was, it meant something. And so when John is writing about those who believed on his name, he's talking about people who say, I put my trust in who he is and what he's done. And it's a very personal thing. It's not that I believe in a general sense. It's I believe in a personal sense. I don't just believe that God did it in a general way. I believe that Christ did it for me and that the only way that I can be saved, the only way that I can be forgiven, the only way that I can be free, the only way I can receive this gift is because of who he is and what he's done. This is what 
John is saying here, and, and, and so what, I, what, what we see, this gift is offered to us not because of what we've done. We, there's no merit that we have. It's like, yeah, I got to give them a trophy. They earned it. Here we go. No. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, Paul writes in Romans chapter 5. No, it's, it's, we're, we're given this gift by grace. We're chosen by grace. What I love is, is in Romans 9 through 11, Paul just outlines, you know, the, the choosing of the people that we read in, 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 in John 1. His own, what made them his own? It was God's divine favor because he says in, in Romans, Romans 9, I think it's either 12 or 14, he, he, says that, he, he says that while Jacob and his twin Esau were still in the womb, God chose them before they had done either good or bad. He did not choose them because he's like, those Israelites, are something else, man. Ah, man, they're mighty. They're going to be my people. It's not like he's choosing for, for, you know, a basketball game. You want that guy? No. In fact, if that was the case, he made the wrong choice because they were jacked up. They made the, the, terrible. No, it's his divine favor. Listen to me. It's his divine favor that still makes our salvation today possible. Listen, what, is it, what does it mean to receive the gift, to receive Christ? It's what John says, to believe on his name, to believe in who he is, to believe in what he's done. And here's what I want to leave you with. I mean, the beauty of this, of receiving the gift, it's not just opening the gift, it's not just handling the gift, it's not just seeing the gift, receiving the gift. There are three tangible things that, that take place. And I, man, I just want to, this is beautiful. Here's, here's what we receive when we receive the gift, Christ First of all, I am adopted as a child of God. Is that awesome or what? I am adopted as a child of God. And because I'm adopted, I am given a new name. I'll come back to this name thing. Because there's a lot of name changes mentioned in scripture. I'll just mention, it's like in the Old Testament, there's uh, Abram to Abraham. The, the name Abram means something like boss man. It's, I mean, like if we're gonna use, use a, a modern translation, he, he's, he has his name changed from boss man to Abraham, which means father of a multitude. Now, was Abraham even a dad when he was given that name? No. What I love was God gave him a name and then changed him to grow into his name. Then there's a guy by the name of Jacob. All right, he's the one that, like, his name was changed to Israel. What was Jacob's, what, what did Jacob's name mean? Usurper. He's a sneaky dude. He's gonna rip you off. You don't wanna go into business in a partnership with Jacob, right? You're gonna be left holding the bag. He changed his name from usurper. And I'm sorry, like, if your name's Jacob, you're like, oh man, I gotta change my name. Hold on, change to Israel. Because he changed his name from Jacob to Israel, which means prince of God. Was Jacob a prince of God when he gave him his name Israel? no. No, he just got done with a wrestling match when he gave him his new name. He was fighting God, and yet he gave him a new name, and you know what he did? He changed Jacob and let him grow into his name. How about the New Testament? Simon to Peter. Simon, that name, listen, Peter never grew that name. That name means listen, and that was not Peter. But, but here, here's the deal. Simon meant listen. He, he said, Simon, you're no longer going to be known as Simon. You're, you're going to be known as Peter. Petros, rock. And when he called him rock, Peter was an emotional basket case. He had yet to deny Jesus. He had yet to do all these crazy things. But you know what? God gave him a name 
and then he changed him to become his name. Can I tell you that God is still in the business of doing the same thing? We are adopted as a child of God and we are called, we are given a name. You know what God calls you and I today? He calls us saint. He calls us saint. The people that say, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Listen, I get where you're coming from, but there is nowhere in scripture that after somebody has been changed by God that they're, that they're known as a sinner anymore. In God's eyes, you're not a sinner. He calls you saint. Now, are you a saint when he calls you saint? No. No, I'm looking around. You guys shake your presence. You're not a saint. No. But you know what God does? He does the same thing that he's always done. He gives us a name and then he goes about changing us and making us who he's called us to be. We are called the children of God. We are sons and daughters of God. Man, when we receive the gift, paralambano, we receive into oneself, we embrace the gift changes us. I am adopted as a child of God, but it's also this, I'm born again. I literally, it's, it's, like, it's like I started over. Man, I told the story last week about my brother-in-law, Eric, and I've, I've heard from so many of you that, that thanked me for sharing the story of how God, it's a miraculous story if you weren't here. Check it out. It's just incredible what God did in his life and what he's doing in his life. But in talking to Eric, Eric said something that, that I, I love. He told me, he said, Keith, he said, it's like I'm a brand new person. And I'm like, you are. You are, and I took him to Ephesians chapter two. You were dead in the trespasses of, of your sins and took him to, then, then to verse four. But God, who is rich in mercy, I love that. What does he do? He brings us to life. He gives us spiritual sight. This is what it means to be born again. When we receive the gift, we're not the same person, just we call ourselves a Christian. No, we are born again. This is what, John, uh, what Jesus is talking about in John three as he's talking to Nicodemus, talking about this new life. This this is what happens when we receive the gift. We are not the same person. Oh, I love this. And if I wasn't enough, here's the, the, the last thing I love. I mean, the last thing that stands out. When we receive the gift, check this out. Christ comes in to dwell. Now, we're gonna talk more about this next week because, man, a question I've been, I hear a lot is, is, man, I know that I've been forgiven, but how do I change? We're gonna talk a little bit about this next week, this whole idea of dwelling. And listen, as John is writing here in John chapter one, he's talking specifically about the incarnation. I wanna be faithful to the context here. He's talking about Jesus taking on flesh, dwelling dwelling with us. When he's talking about, when, when he's talking about in, in, in verse uh, 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He's talking about that Jesus became like us. He went through what we went through and counted all of that. He, he was here. That, that's what he's talking about. But, but remember what Jesus said before he went to the cross. He's with his disciples. He tells them this, uh, it sounds crazy, but he said, it's good for you that I go away. Like, are you kidding me? It's not good for you that we, for us that you go away. Said, no. He said, if I don't go away, I'm not gonna send the helper to you. And who's the helper? It's the spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit. He, he literally calls it, he's the helper. I'm gonna send you the helper. And he's not going to just be with you, he's going to be in you. Guys, this is powerful. And I thought about this this week as I was studying. What was the first stop on God's, on, on the itinerary of Christ when he came to earth? Think about it, what was his first stop? It was a womb. It was a womb. He came to 
a virgin girl by the name of Mary. And man, the story of Christmas to me literally is a story of how close Christ will come to us. We don't serve a God who is at some great distance, who got this world spinning and he's like some deist to step back and said, hey, let's see what happens with this story. No, he is a God who came near. And, and what he did with Mary is the same thing. He, he gives us a, a Mary-like invitation. If you'll let me, if you'll receive me, I will come inside, I will dwell with you. And all through scriptures, a little two-letter preposition shows up time and time again. It's that little word, in, in. This is what Christ said to his disciples in John 14, 20. He said, I am in you. When Paul prayed for the Ephesians in chapter, in, in chapter three of Ephesians, he, he, prayed that, he prayed that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Uh, in Colossians 1, 27, we, we, we read of Christ in in you, the hope of glory. And then, man, what might be the sweetest invitation in all of Scripture in, in Revelation chapter 3, where we hear these words of Christ Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. What I love is Christ grew in Mary until he had to come out. <laughs> you know what I love? Christ does the same thing for the people his people who receive his gift. You see, the one who receives Paralambano, if you will, literally every place they are becomes Bethlehem. Every place they are, it's Christ. It's Christ living. It's not just that Christ changes us. Christ comes in to dwell, and then Christ lives with us. He was a fetus in Mary's womb. Can I tell you, he is a force in his people. You say, man, there's no way I can get past my past. Jesus Christ, the spirit of Christ, the person of Christ is not just with you. He is in you. I can't get past this addiction. Christ says, yes, I can. He didn't just come to defeat sin itself. He broke the power of sin. This is who we serve. This is Christ. This is the gift of Christmas. Like, you know, if, if so, like somebody gives, say, you know, I'm, I'm gonna choose somebody out of this entire crowd here, I'm gonna give them a million dollars. And so I want everybody to uh, pull out your phone and check your bank account, uh, see where you're at. Like some of you are like, I don't do online banking. You're like, sorry, you miss out. But there's gonna be one person that has a goofy grin on their face. And they're not gonna wanna say that, you know, they're not gonna wanna say that I got the million dollars. You're like, you know, they're gonna be looking for tithe or whatever. I mean, it's just not gonna be good. And so... No, but, but there's a difference when you know what you have. It's like, oh, man, I just, it changes who I am. It changes how I live. It changes how I think. No, listen, like Mary, you and I are indwelt by Christ. To receive Christ is to believe on his name. It's different than seeing, handling or even opening the gift, it's to receive. And so my question is this, if you have settled for any of the substitutes, first of all, many times it will it'll take the spirit of Christ through the word of God to open our eyes because the reason why something is a substitute isn't just sometimes because I want it to be the real thing, it's because I can't tell the difference between the fake and the real. Once you have encountered the transformation work 
of Jesus Christ and you have received. It's gonna be like what Jesus told the woman at the well. You will never thirst again. That's what it means to receive the gift. And so I would invite you as I close in prayer, if this is you, you've settled for a substitute. This morning, would you just surrender? And if God in his grace has opened your eyes, just say yes. You're gonna be given a name that you don't even, des- that you don't even deserve yet, but then he's gonna go about changing you. Father, thank you so much for the truth of your word. Thank you for this beautiful telling of the Christmas story that though it doesn't involve shepherds and stables and stars or anything like that, it still reveals the same incredible truth. The fact that you came for people, ordinary, ordinary, everyday people, just like, just like us. But God, what we read is so, is so true. There, there are those who, of us who have refused, rejected, or, or maybe just we've missed out. We don't even know the gifts available, or maybe we just don't see the purpose and we've settled for, for living a life in the name of Christ and doing good things. We think that's what it means. And, it's, and God, I'm just praying that instead of, of taking on good deeds just to try to earn your favor, we would simply receive Christ and be changed from the inside out. And so, Lord, you know who's here. You know who needs to hear this, who needs to respond. I'm just praying that in your faithfulness, that even now, as they say, Lord... I'm here and thank you for opening my eyes. I'm a sinner. I don't, I don't even know, I, I, I don't know how to, to be saved other than to lean on your name. May they understand that that's all it takes to believe in who Christ is, to believe in what Christ has done. And God, I'm believing that by grace through faith right now, you can change them. And so God, for what you're going to do through your people, in your people, as we receive the true light of Christmas, I wanna thank you for this. And I pray this in Jesus' strong name. And all God's people said... Hey, listen, before you leave, let me just break down a couple things. Man, if, if, you, if you want to get more information about what it means to receive Christ, to take next steps, I'm gonna be back at the table. Anybody that are back at the next steps wall, if there's any of our pastors that are back there, man, we wanna help in whatever way we can help you take next steps. But I would also say in a very real way as we go into the next few weeks, we got a lot that's going on tonight at 6 p.m. We got the kids Christmas program, but on, in, in two weeks, we have what we call our Christmas in Idaho services. And as you can tell, it's getting pretty full in here. And, and so we, we're adding a fourth service. It's going to be on Saturday evening, and that'll be at 6 p.m. So hopefully you'll invite friends, family. It's going to be an incredible, incredible uh, weekend. I'm looking forward to what God has in store. But we need some incredible actors, and, and when I say actors, you don't have, to, you don't have lines, but what we're going to have, when you walk in, it's going to be like Bethlehem. You're walking into Bethlehem. So we need people back, that, they're going to be back there with fish and meat market, and, and you have bread selling your wares. If you are able to be part of that, or your family can be part of this, your life group, man, we would love to have you uh, be part of this. So if you'll see Tony, you're like, I don't know who Tony is. He's the guy that gave the announcements. He's back at the Next Steps wall. Man, we would love for you to be part of this special celebration. So guys, thank you for being here. Go with the peace of God. He is for you. He is with you. He is in you. And let him shine through you this week. You're dismissed.